Okay. So confidence, confidence is something that the devil wants to take away from us. And Hebrews 10.35 says, Cast not away your confidence, because it has great recompense of reward. It's, that's how it says it in the King James. And you know, the first thing that we throw out of the window whenever we feel, or we throw off, we throw overboard, when we feel that our ship is being rocked, is our confidence. It's the first thing that goes. And we can be so confident about things, and then we, when we meet the least form of resistance, we run like Elijah. Remember Elijah faced the prophets of Baal and um, you know, stood up to them and uh, it saw fire come down from heaven and then we see God use Elijah in such a powerful way. But then one woman comes into his life, Jezebel, and says, I'm going to kill you. And what does he do? He runs for 40 days. This guy runs like a chicken. A man of God, the prophet of fire, is running for 40 days. Can you imagine that? He's running for 40 days, and then he gets depressed. He's in the middle of nowhere, and he says, I want to die. He, he was suicidal. A prophet, a man of God, was suicidal. Can you imagine the state of where he was at? And this happens to us today. We may be Christians for many years and maybe we're not Christians for many years and then sometimes we have like these incredible experiences with God or God speaks to us in a great way and then we find ourselves like Elijah and we just say you know what I want to die just take my life from me and then God meets us with a still small voice confidence is something that we just throw out the window because we almost fear we almost feel unjustified that I have this amount of confidence. For example, um, the devil wants to project at men that you should not and you do not deserve and this confidence and this assurance it does not belong to you. And where do you, did you ever get that idea that you can have any level of confidence? And then he'll send some kind of a toxic person to your life to communicate that in more ac uh, uh, articulate words. Or he may send something into your life, something from your past, or you might get a bill in the mail, or just some very discouraging news. And um, and confidence is something that um, in a in in hyper spirituality, in hyper spiritual Christianity, it's said you cannot be confident. That you cannot be, you know, you can't be too confident. You always got to be a little bit like, you know, on the edge of. Is God really with me? And maybe I shouldn't assume too much. And maybe I shouldn't um, be so bold about this because maybe I'm wrong. I mean, and sometimes we face these cir circumstances where our confidence is like when things get rocky, we just, that's the first thing that goes overboard. And we said, you know, maybe that wasn't God's will anyway. And what was I thinking? Or maybe I'm, you know, maybe I'm just being too presumptuous. We like to say that, like, Maybe this isn't God's will, or maybe, um, you know what the difference between assuming and presuming is? Do you know what the, di I mean, assume, to presume something means to make a conclusion based on some factual information, which makes things appear a certain way. Um, you know, maybe it's very dark at night, and you see someone coming towards you, and by the, the way they walk, and the their height and the, the silhouette, you are presuming that it's so-and-so, and most likely it is so-and-so. Um, presumptuous faith or presumptuous confidence is when 
I'm making conclusions about being a sh confident that God is with me based on certain facts that are not factual. They are just coincidental. For example, you know, maybe I have a great need in my soul for, for recognition and for attention. And so, or maybe I feel like God's getting too specific in my life and I'm getting a little uncomfortable and I, want to, I just want to jet. And then a door opens up to move to another state and I just say, oh, that's God's will. And I'm presuming based on that coincidental fact, factual information that that's God's will, but it's not God's will. Assuming is, is much less. Assuming is when, when I just subjectively interpret a circumstance to the point where um, uh, no matter what anything says, whatever, whatever life is really objectively showing me, I'm going to make this decision because I'm assuming this and it's very, and it's very subjective. The difference, and this is what the devil wants to do with us, you know, maybe we want to take steps in our, in our family as a dad steps of faith like you know maybe I want to just be a, a dad that you know really takes spiritual headship with my wife and with my kids pray with them and and you you step out in faith to do that or maybe you're maybe you're a young man that you know you're finishing bible school or just starting bible school and you want and you have a vision in your life to uh, serve God overseas or domestically and you have this confidence that God speaks to you or maybe whatever it could be whatever that um, revelation of the grace of God and the love of God empowers us to do um, the temptation that the devil will throw at you is, is that he'll say you're being presumptuous and that'll, that'll divide your minds it'll divide your mind it'll divide your heart and you'll just be like you know who do I think I am anyway as a dad you know I'm not one of these spiritual dads, and I'm not one of these spiritual husbands. I'm not one of these spiritual guys that, you know, and, the, and we let the accusations sink in, and what it does is it divides our heart, and it divides our mind, and it causes doubt. And we said that this morning a little bit. Doubt is, means to, in the Greek, is made up of two words, and it means to, um, in one translation can be to double judge or to think twice. Doubting is like when... I hear God, and then I hear my own voice of, of unbelief. And doubt is something that, you know, many men of God and many people in the Bible struggled with. Just about everybody struggled with that. Because we are creatures that are, that are confined to by what we can see and hear and feel. And doubt is really an enemy to confidence. And um, it goes back to this, that... God has called us and he's, he is for us. And instead of the first thing being that we dump over the, over the side of the boat when things begin to rock, being confidence, we really should toss over the side of the boat doubt and these projections. And um, let's just look at a couple of things here. Is that in Genesis 3 verse 7, in the garden, when the eyes of Adam and Eve were both opened, they discovered that they were naked, that they were without a covering. And they became, for the first time, mankind became self-aware or self-conscious. And his self-consciousness was he was aware of his, his nakedness or his lack of covering. And that caused him to run from God and to hide. He lost his confidence. He lost his confidence because he had partaken of something 
that was destructive and it caused division in his mind. It was the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And so this is really the beginning of all doubt and all um, dividedness of minds. And when we look at the, the ways that the devil tries to steal our, comf- our confidence, there are, four, there are four areas or four um, areas that the devil targets you and I to steal our confidence. Number one, he uses this. And by the way, it's a wearing down process. How many, know, how many um, remember this classic verse in Daniel 7 verse 25 and how that the devil through the Antichrist wears down the saints? It's a wearing down process. This wearing down process can be a wearing down that takes maybe minutes or it can take years of just a slow wearing down. It's like Samson was being worn down by Delilah. Uh, you know, many, many um, examples that we can see where the devil just wears down a person. Number one is through the system. And really the system is the world system. You know, you're, you know that world system that we live in and that we work in and that we get educated in really is a system that just is wearing us down and it wears down people and this world system that we live in can be very it can wear us down the second area is judges 16 verse 6 uh, toxic people i like that word toxic because it describes uh, a poison something that's poisonous but it's hidden and it's something that is that we don't know it's there but if we ingest it it causes sickness inside of us. The devil wants to send toxic people into our lives to wear us down. And this is Judges 16, verse 6, where, again, Delilah was a toxic person. Now, I'm really picking on women here. I don't want to do that. But I'm just saying that Delilah could be a man. It could be anybody. You know, like, God, the devil will send toxic people into your life through soul power, soul power to wear you down to a place where you just where you give up those hidden secret things that are in your heart. It says that Delilah, it says that Delilah nagged and tempted and daily pressed Samson and vexed his soul to death. That was the process of wearing down by a toxic person. Another thing is in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 8, this can actually happen in the ministry. Paul said this, he said, For we don't want you to be ignorant, brethren, for our trouble which came to us in, in Asia. For we were burdened beyond measure above strength so that we despaired even of life. You know, if we are not daily renewed in our ministry, whatever our ministry may be, it may be just giving a cup of cold water in Jesus' name in the church. If we're not renewed in that, in the spirit of our mind in Ephesians 4.23, then we can get worn down in the ministry. And this is very, very subtle and very tricky because... It is very easy to be in the ministry and to just be in cruise mode, to do, to just go in, do what your responsibility is, and to go out and to never and not be continually renewed. Because what can happen is, is that we can get worn down in the ministry. And number four, um, pleasure and entertainment. Pleasure and entertainment. These two things can wear us down. Too much pleasure. And too much entertainment. What I'm saying is, is that there are things that God has given us in our lives that, you know, these are blessings. And if we let blessings rule our life, it can be, a, it can wear us down to a point where 
we are just without strength and without confidence. And number five, the atmosphere, Revelations 12, verse 10, where it says the accuser of the brethren accused them day and night. The accusations that, and you know what, be very, we need to be very aware of the, what we're thinking in our minds about thought processes. And if you're living in a constant barrage of accusations from the en enemy in your own mind, you need to deal with that. We need to cast that down because God is not an accuser. That's the ministry of the devil. Okay? You, you hear what I'm saying? That, that many of us too often listen to what the devil is saying about our life rather than what God is saying about our lives. And you know what the, a classic tool of the devil is? is to use people that are very close to us that we may not be um, discerning in the relationship where we've dropped the filter and we've, we've dropped the cross in that relationship and we just become very familiar with each other and then suddenly we see, we find ourselves like Peter and Jesus in Matthew 16. Peter says to Jesus, you are not going to go to the cross. You know, we love you too much. You don't deserve that. You can't do it. And then Jesus had to step in and apply the cross and say, get thee behind me. This is what can happen. This is how we can be easily worn down. Um, how do we just build ourselves up? How do we encourage ourselves? And you know, I said this this morning, and I, I like to repeat things because I think it's helpful for us to repeat things. But um, this is what we said this morning, that your day needs to begin with this verse, I am what I am by the grace of God. That's what our day needs to begin with. And as soon as your eyelids begin to move, there are demons right on your face that are going to start attacking you. And if you open your mouth to start initiating God's mind in a circumstance, the devil's going to be right there to intimidate you, using your past against you. He's, the devil's going to always use your past against you. And so what, what, what I like to do is, is that when the devil comes and, and accuses me of saying, like, you, you know, you're a sinner, you're, you fit, you're, you're not enough in this area, you're weak here, and this is... And I just say, you know what? That's right. I agree with you. Because I am a sinner, and I, I, do, I'm, I am not enough in all of these areas. And then the conversation ends right there. I just say, I agree with you. But Christ is my righteousness. He is my righteousness. You know, there's a lady in our church, and... Um, you know, a new couple that started coming to our church on Thursday nights, and um, just really precious people, and um, she said to us, uh, I think it was a, a week ago or something like that, she, she's in her 60s, and she said, you know, she said, I'm in my 60s, and I've been a Christian since the Jesus movement back in the 60s, back in the 70s, and she said, I thought I was going to be more of an amazing spiritual person in my 60s. I had this picture in my mind of how amazing and how godly I was going to be. And she goes, I'm really kind of disappointed. <laughs> I'm so disappointed that I'm not that person that I thought I was going to be, this amazing godly person. And she said, and she said, in effect, she said, but actually just the opposite. The longer I live, the more I realize how much of a sinner I am and how, how much I need God. And, you know, that is really the work of God. God is not working to make us feel more and more powerful. You know, God is what he's doing. He's always addressing your faith 
in every trial, every difficulty, every circumstance that comes against you, God is only speaking to one aspect of you, and that's your faith. Something hits you, and then God says, um, how are you going to respond to this by faith? God is never addressing our flesh in anything, because God addressed our flesh 2,000 years ago with the cross. Sometimes we get so wrapped up with things in our minds, a sin and failure and all that stuff, when God has already ended that conversation two years ago, and we're like, we're just, we're just talking to God, and we're not hearing God speak back to us, He's silent on the matter because He's already dealt with our sins 2,000 years ago. And we get all mixed up in, our, in the goal of our Christianity. You know what the goal of your Christianity is? It's not to be, to morally perfect ourselves. Our goal in our Christianity is not to be a better this, or a better Christian, or a better dad, or you know, and that's really the gospel of society today. You have to embetter yourself. You have to transform yourself. You have to uh, educate yourself. When really the gospel says something very simply that there's nothing in our life that God can accept but just us presenting ourselves a living sacrifice to God. And when we start there, and I had two conversations tonight. I, I just thought, this, I think this is God's mind. We should maybe talk about this, about honesty with God. And, like, when we come to God, honestly, the way we are, dirty diapers and all, just standing there. You know how kids come into the room and they're just so happy to see Dad and their diapers are just dirty and they stink and everybody in the whole, everybody in the whole, everybody in the whole house can smell the diapers. But the kid is not even self-conscious, not even aware of it. You know, he's just happy he's in a room that everybody loves him. And that's the way God wants us to be with him. Just come into the room. He want, God wants us to come into the, the throne of grace in Hebrews 4, verse 16. Dirty diapers and all stinky and all messed up and, and just be so happy to see the face of God because God will change the diapers. God is not waiting. You know, how many of us would really mandate our child to change his diapers before he comes into the room to talk to his parents? That's ridiculous, isn't it? And so God really... God takes pleasure in honesty, and I, and I can't stress this enough that I don't have prayer in me, naturally. I don't, I don't have a prayer. I don't have any faith, naturally. Uh, I don't have any desire to do anything for God. And sometimes when I really lack motivation, you know what I, you know what I do? I just say, God, uh, this whole salvation thing was not even my idea. It was your idea. You're the one who called me into it. And if you want something to happen in my life, I think that's good, guys. I, I think if God wants something to happen in my life, then I just go to God and say, God, if you want this to happen in my life, you have to cause it because there's nothing in me that can make it happen. And I think that it takes us a while to get to that point because when we first get saved, we're like, you know, God, give me something to do for you, you know? And we respond to all of God's grace with, God, give me a work a works program, you know, and that, and and remember when the children of Israel said to Joshua, um, I'm sorry, to Moses, uh, after all the miracles in Exodus 19, Joshua, uh, Moses rehearsed with the whole, all of Israel about the amazing work of God, and what was their response? We will serve the Lord, and that sounds great, doesn't it? You know, wow, we can serve God, and these guys are really responding. This is great. But what does, what does Moses say, and what does Joshua say later on? You cannot serve the Lord 
And then the Israelites went from a grace relationship being born up on the wings of eagle through the wilderness to a work relationship. Honesty is, is when, and you know what, the sooner we get to that point, the better it's going to be, is that coming to a point in our life that we say, God, uh, I don't have any desire in any of this religious stuff. If you want this to happen, I'm available. Just quicken me and do it. Sometimes, you know, I, even as a pastor, I don't know about you, some of you other pastors, but sometimes as a pastor, I'm thinking, you know what, I really should be like hungry and doing, doing studying and praying. And I, and I do have this desire, but sometimes I don't. And and, you know, it'd be easy for me to, as a pastor, open the Bible and study the Bible because that's my job, you know, which is the worst motivation ever to do anything like that. And just say, you know what, God, I don't, you know, you have to inspire me. You have to quicken me. And I'm not going to live in condemnation if I don't have something that I'm supposed to be. And when we enter that kind of conversation like David did with God, then we become, we begin to have a different very honest, transparent relationship with God. This brings a very good, very good point. Is that many times, unfortunately, in churches or in organizations or in families—not I don't know about families, but usually in the church—there can be an environment that is not authentic, meaning that that because there is not love and grace and the finished work permeating that fellowship. People may feel like that they're on trial, that they're on probation, that they're, it's a tryout to make the track team or something. If you reach this certain level, then you're going to be in this certain group and you're going to be asked to do these certain things. And we kind of feel that way. And that's never the point because when you and I are, are secure in the love of God, then we, we don't fear failure. And, you know, one of the, thing about, one of the things about raising up and training leaders is is that um, we cannot be communicating to leaders our goal for you is that you don't fail because failure is imminent and hopefully it doesn't happen but failure is part of the process and if you're a parent you know this that your kid is going to fail and the biggest thing that a kid needs to know when they fail is that it's okay that you still love them and that that you're there and the same thing with God and being in a team environment that when we are in the body of Christ and we are in an environment of God's love and mercy, then there, there it produces, it spawns an environment of authenticity, honesty. It, it, it spawns openness and genuineness, genuine motivation where people do things because they're motivated by the love of God. Do you understand what I'm saying? And so this is what God wants us to discover in the kingdom of God, is that we are in the kingdom of his dear son, Ephesians chapter 5. We are in the kingdom of his dear son. And that being in the kingdom of God, we can grow in confidence that God is with us. And I think, you know, you know Peter, uh, Peter the apostle Peter has a lot to teach us as a disciple. Peter was the kind of guy that it was open mouth, insert foot and other foot and hands as well as everything. I mean, he just, every time he failed, he failed openly and miserably. But I think that God likes that because God would rather have that kind of an honest situation than someone who is really just kind of looking at every decision that they're making, analyzing it 20 times 
and then not doing it because they disqualify themselves. God doesn't take pleasure in that. What pleases God? Works? No. What pleases God? A program? No. What pleases God? Good behavior? No. What pleases God? Overcoming addictions in my life? No. Faith pleases God. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6. Faith pleases God. And what does it say in Hebrews chapter, I believe it's 11, verse 22 or 23. It says this, that what? What does it say about faith? About missing. What? Whatsoever is not of faith is what? Sin. Sin. Oh my gosh, what a, new def- what a new definition for sin. I mean, we get through the Old Testament. Sin is defined by the Ten Commandments and then all the other laws that were added to it. And then during the time of Christ, the sin against the Spirit. And then as we see, sin is re- redefined and tweaked and, and, and more and more precisely defined until we get to Hebrews chapter 11. Sin is basically when I stop walking in confidence in God. If I am not walking and trusting God today, then I'm, I'm missing the mark. And that's what sin means. Uh, sin means it. It's harma, uh, harmateo. What's that Greek word? Harmateo. It means to miss the mark. It means to shoot an arrow and miss. And it means that the purpose was not, the purpose was not, was not carried out. And I just want to say tonight that, that um, I have like, because I'm kind of person that just overthinks everything. Before I make a decision, I just research it to death on the internet, and then I think about it, and I talk to a hundred people, and then I, you know, then I talk myself out of it. And uh, you know, and they say, "Well, I'm not the right guy. Maybe you know, maybe somebody else's." And God doesn't like that. God loves it when we just step forward and say, "You know what? I don't have all the information here." But I have something in my heart that I know that God is with me. And you know, sometimes when we, when we as men look at what is God's will for me as a man in the church, sometimes we're waiting for someone to tell us what to do. I remember when I told Pastor Stevens that I wanted to go to the mission field and I had this whole plan and I spent like 10 minutes explaining to him and he didn't say anything. He's like, he didn't even say anything to me. He was just like, we were driving the car. It was really quiet. I'm just thinking... Wow, you know, like, and in the end, he was like, you know, hey, that's great, Chris, you know, praise the Lord. And then we just went to the rap, and and it's like he understood that, like, years later when I look at that, he understood that, that I needed to make that decision with God, and I could not have the trust in a person that I highly respect making that statement to me because I would have based all of those decisions on just that. And I think that that's what, that's what God wants us to do is if you are following God and if you're walking in the will of God that you know today, the revealed will of God today, then God is, gonna, God is going to put things in your heart and it's not necessarily going to be this magic revelation from heaven, I want you to go to a mission field. You know, It just may be like, you, as a man of God, thinking with God in a conversational format, you just get this idea, you know what? There needs to be a church there. And maybe you're not, and, and, and this is like, when we're thinking with God, and we're walking in the light, and He's washing us, in, in a, He's washing us by His blood from all unrighteousness as we continually confess 
that's tough to him. There are things, you have God's mind. And there are going to be things that come to your mind as a man of God that are really God's mind too. And sometimes we're looking at God waiting for this revelation as God's like, hey, I already gave you my mind. You have the mind of Christ. And he may, remember those times when Moses talked to God and reasoned with God and actually talked to God out of judging Israel? Like you and I, if we can know God and get secure in that love and get confident in God's presence and God's promises, then we can actually pray and talk to God about things. And you know what? I like this verse in Philippians chapter 2. It's like a bottom line verse. Uh, chapter 3, I think it's verse 13, that if we be any otherwise minded, he will reveal this even unto us. And I like this. I like to live that way, like taking steps of faith. And if something's not God's will, then God does. Ha- God has no problem communicating with me. It's not some mystery. Wait, wait a minute. I, was that God just speaking to me? I don't know. And then we just get into this psychological analysis and then we try to qualify ourselves. And Paul said this in Ephesians 2. He said, I'm made a minister according to the gifts of God. Paul's diploma was the grace of God in his life. That, that was the diploma that he had on a wall. Paul said, I've been made a minister by the gift of the grace of God. And, and Paul, by the way, was a very adept and very smart student. And so maybe I can just finish with this, that um, if we understand grace and if we understand the finished work, then we understand there's no way we could lose and there's no way we could fail. And that failure really is, failure is when I stop thinking in faith. And you know something, get alone with God. You know what Billy Graham did? And maybe, I don't, I don't, you don't, you don't have to do this, but he was a young man. Uh, I think this happened before he got saved. I don't remember the whole story, but I do remember he went, he went out of town, went to a hotel room, and just went in there for three days and prayed and just sought God's will. He prayed and fasted for three days about God's will for his life. And he just sought the Lord's face, and he got an inner conviction about God's will. You know, uh, I look at different men in our church that have, you know, Bill Allison, for example. You know, he does this sports power. Today he's in Belarus, you know, and he's lit. Nobody told him to do that. He got that from God, and he is one of the joints in the church that supplies. There's many other men and men of God in the church that live like that. And I just want to say, you know, get something from God. Hear from God. Take the time to get it. And then when you get it, uh, walk confidently in that. Um, because you know what? The worst thing that can happen is that God could shut some doors And just remember, when the door slams shut, be waiting to hear the opening of another door. Because when doors slam shut, God is always opening another door. Faith pleases God. And when we're seeking Him out, that really pleases Him. God's not in heaven playing psychological games with us like, like, you know, I don't approve of you, and I don't think you should be asking me so many questions. Just be quiet and sit down and listen. Like, that's not the way God is with us. God is like very, He's like, come on, speak to me. Talk to me. Ask of me for the, the heathen for your inheritance, and I will give them to you. Ask of me. And, and I think that there are so many things in heaven that have your name on it, our names on it, but we don't have it because we just kind of, we get halfway into it, and we just, we just cast our confidence away. We say, you know what? Uh, I'm not a good husband. I'm not a good dad. I'm not a good, you know, I'm just some young guy. It's no experience, and what do I know, you know? And, and, and that's not God's mind. You know, 
yes, we do have a lot to learn, but being confident in this very thing, that he that began a good work in you will be faithful to complete it. God, we can be very confident in God. And I just want to, you know, some of you are leaving tomorrow morning, so maybe this is the last message you're hearing. I just think there's a world out there that needs to be reached for Christ. There's a neighborhood out there. Your neighbors need to be reached for Christ. Your, your families, and maybe God's put on your heart a faith dream. And you have something, go for it. Go for it. And if you're one of these men that really are seeking validation, what was, how was Christ described? I think it's 1 Timothy 3, verse 16, some, or 2 Timothy 3, 16. It says that he was justified in spirit. You ever see that verse? Justified in spirit. You ever think about that, what that means? It means that Jesus had no authentication, no validation, and no approval from anybody except for the Holy Spirit and God in heaven. Paul the Apostle, misunderstood by the other apostles. He got saved. I mean, I'm sure you've seen this. Paul gets saved, comes down to Jerusalem. Nobody wants to meet him. They're all afraid of him. Peter meets with him for a few minutes, you know, one night. and says, hey, God bless you, brother. You know, I'm glad you got saved. Why don't you go back home? <laughs> sends him back to sends him back to uh, to Tarsus. You know, and then Barnabas takes the risk, and that's what leadership is. Leadership is taking the risk, and sometimes not even being asked to, but seeing something in somebody's life, taking the risk, and just and discipling that person. And that's what we got to do. We're a Second Timothy two two church. Uh, that's our ministry where we. Where we are, we are, uh, we are giving words of life to other people, investing things into people's lives, speaking truth, speaking faith into people's lives, and and um, because there's a world out there that needs that needs you to be filled with the Spirit, to walk in faith, to to uh, and to, to to where we knock off all the baby crying excuses and the wimpy attitude like I don't know I'm just you know I, you know I'm just well we just got to knock that off and we got to start thinking with God and get on our knees and learn how to get things from God you know sometimes there are things in our life that we don't have because we just we're just too, we're just too guilty to ask God and it's like that's the devil you know it's just like God wants you to go after him and do business with God and to wrestle with him all night in prayer if need be, like, like Jacob, you know, and to get those answers from God. And there are some things that God may not give to us because we don't really want it, you know. We don't, we're not really like, do I, God sometimes, when I pray, God sometimes says this to me, do you really want this? And then I got to stop and think, wait a minute, do I really want this? You know, like, is this, am I persuaded in my mind that this is something that I'm passionate about? And that's why we really want to learn how to be men of God that, you know, that just can shake our families and shake our, our little worlds with the, with the big God and just say, you know what, I'm confident of this very thing. And sometimes we got to speak faith into our families and speak faith into our kids and say, you know what, uh, fear not, you know, because our wives, our, our friends... Our family need us to sometimes speak faith into the atmosphere and preach to the atmosphere sometimes and speak Bible verses into the atmosphere so that, so that we're not walking around like, woe is me, I'm, you know, I'm so, you know, I wasn't recognized or, you know, I got a big no from somebody when I really wanted to do this and 
I just say go for it, and and um, mm. and and the fruits of the spirit will be your justification. Uh, and and hey, if it's not God's will, it's okay. Just come, you know, come back to church and say, you know, that was a great dream, but it didn't work out. And God had another plan. Praise the Lord. Another door is going to open up somewhere else because faith pleases God. Yeah. Confidence is not. And don't. And I'm just going to finish with this. Don't let the devil talk you out of confidence. And and. And by the way, your emotions are going to run out, and you're going to be wondering, hey, you know, I'm, I'm in this, and this, I'm leading all these people. You know, can you, can you imagine being a pastor leading a group of people into a church plant, or you're moving your family to another location, you know, and you're like, and you're just starting to think, like, wow, is God really in this? We got to deal with that, and we got to, like, at that moment, get alone with God and hear from God and say, and understand that God is with us, and walk in this confidence, because if we don't, then we are, we are wandering in the woods without a compass. And we don't know which way is north. And we don't know where our direction is. We don't know our bearing. And whenever you get lost, and this is going to happen with us as men, whenever we get lost, what's our bearing? Our bearing, in our, the compass that's inside of us, the Holy Spirit, is always going to be pointing to the love of God. And if you get lost in your life, and you lose your bearing, and you just wind up in some ditch somewhere... Uh, get a bearing towards the to the north star, which is the love of God, the grace of God, and just and orient your bearing in your life to that. And when you do that, you're going to have a you're going to pr- have an atmosphere around you, and you're going to produce an atmosphere of God is with this person, even though they're weaker than weak, they're weaker than oatmeal. Yeah, that God is with that person, and I just just want to finish with that. That guys, let's. Let's just know this, that God is with us. Life can get really complicated, and a lot of different things could be happening, and you could find yourself in the middle of a firefight, and you're just puzzled every night. Sometimes at these elders' meetings, we, you know, we're just sitting there. We're like, God, what is your mind in this matter? You know, and most of our, you know, when we sit down as elders and we're talking about this stuff, we're just kind of looking at each other like, you know, God, just tell us what the answer is to this. and we got to wait on God. and But, you know, we're confident that God's with us. We're confident that God is in this ministry and that God is with these men. And, you know, these getaways are awesome. I think we need to do I mean, I, I should be here every year. And every man in the church, if they could be here, should be here. It's just an awesome time. So that's, that's just my last um, little thought. And does anybody have any, anything they want to add to it?